day, what a day. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you. Hope you're having a great day today. Busy day. For the Raiders and Raider Nation Radio, the flagship of the Silver and Black, as we're brought to you by Golden Entertainment. Our friends who own the Strat and Arizona Tarleys are doing a ton over at the Strat, where you can see different bands from Sammy Hagar to Cheap Trick. Uh, go to the top, great restaurant, hang out, have some fun, or go to the 64-plus locations here. All the PTs, Sierra Gold, Sean Patrick's, the SG Bar, and just have a great time and watch the Golden Knights as the Golden Knights are heating up as they are a proud partner. PTs of the Golden Knights, something I'll be talking about more and more after we find out some clarity about what's going to happen in the, with the Raiders in the next couple of days and or next couple of weeks or maybe it takes a month. I would doubt it, but it's pretty busy around here as you can imagine. And there's a lot of rumors flying. We're not a big show on rumors. We're not. We try to deal with facts within the organization. I'll be hosting the show Friday inside the Raiders headquarters, and we'll see what happens on that day or around that time there. No one really knows. Everybody now is throwing darts. Everybody's trying to get a, a figure out what's going to happen next, and no one knows other than Mark Davis and maybe just a handful of people inside his inner circle on the direction that they're going to go in going forward so all the nfl insiders are even speculating now trying to beat each other to the punch on this from jay glazer to adam schefter to ian rapaport to tom pelissero to jason Lockenfora, to vinnie bonsignor who we have ed graney wrote a big cover story today big one power play next coach can't call all the shots and the picture taking up two-thirds of the front page of our local papers jim harbaugh and on the other side, Vinny Bonsignor is writing, Crosby stunned, Raiders fired the GM. So there's a lot going on here. And we all know that, and we're open to the debate and the conversation and for your opinions on this. Very important that I tell you this again because we have new listeners who are sampling Raider Nation Radio for the first time. 23 years with the team, working and having great relationships with all these coaches, and currently the coach is Rich Passaccia. And I interviewed him all year when he took over for John Gruden, and I'm assuming today, because he's interviewing today, if I bumped into him, I'd call him coach. He's the coach of this team, the interim coach, and now he goes through the interview process today, which is really great for Rich Passaccia. Because if you would have asked Rich Passaccia a year ago if he would be interviewing for a head coaching job, he might have just looked at you sideways like he does to me a lot of times and said, what? Because, you know, he's hanging out having dinner with Rod Marinelli and Gus Bradley and Tom Gable and John Gruden and Mike Mayock, and no one was at that dinner looking at Rich Passaccia going, hey, by the way, there's this bizarre scenario that's going to happen with the Washington football team and leaked emails that the NFL denies where John Gruden's gone. Because John Gruden brought in all those coaches. Those were his guys. They all coached for him in the past. So Passaccia would have looked around and said, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. And now that's the reality, is that he's in a meeting and he's buttoned up presenting himself for the head coach of the Raiders after being a part of a 10-win season and really being a big part of keeping the team together and doing a lot of good things. So we're going to respect Coach Passaccia the way we should. 
And that's one of my two topics today that I wanted to get your reaction to. I think it's fair today because he's interviewing because he might not have been interviewing. They could have made a coaching hire a day ago, most likely not, or they could have told him that he was relieved like Mike Mayock, which was not going to happen, but it could have happened. So I think today we could wait, and I think we waited for the perfect day to do it. Who wants Coach Basaccia back? You, the listeners of the Raider Nation, let's have a conversation about this and the strengths of Rich Basaccia in 2022 getting the full-time coaching job as the head coach of the Raiders. I think a lot of people are going to like that topic because they like Coach Basaccia. There are going to be other people that would like to see a bigger swing to a bigger name like the cover story of Jim Harbaugh, or maybe there's some other candidate that you think that is out there that would be a better fit to lead the team to the future. See, what's happening now for sports radio, and that's all I do is sports radio, is that this is chaos. We thought chaos, and there was chaos in the regular season. The Henry Ruggs tragedy that killed Tina Tintor. Nothing's bigger than that. A life was taken. Damon Arnett acting the fool, brandishing guns and threatening people, getting kicked off the team, a first-round pick. Other issues with injuries. What was going to happen? There's a quarterback issue above all this as Derek Carr's quarterback contract is coming to an end. But with all of this combined, Rich Basacci was able to come in, calm the waters, and get the team to the playoffs. That is worth something. That is either worth the head coaching position or some type of raise to stay on the staff as an assistant head coach, which is which he's always been, or for Rich Basacci to have an opportunity, if he leaves the organization, to be an assistant head coach somewhere else. I like him a lot, and I hope he's here within the organization. I don't know if he's going to be the head coach or not, so I'm not going to speculate the day he's interviewing. That does me no good, but if you'd like to partake, as they say in Vegas, go ahead and tell me what you think about it because I think that's good radio, and that's what we should be doing on the flagship station. So pros and cons of Rich Basaccia and understanding the fact, because a lot of fans don't get this. I'm a fan behind the microphone. That's all I am. You know that. You see me out at the tailgate. You have a Modelo with me. If you bump into me, you know I'm just a fan. That's it. Loud fan at times, but I know being a part of this team for 23 years that the owner has all the power. Always been the case with Al Davis. Now Mark Davis is the decision maker. And Mark is riding on a high now, and he hasn't been perception-wise with even the Raider Nation over the last four or five years because they had to leave Oakland. The politics in Oakland made it ugly. It alienated some fans. A lot of people didn't see the big picture like I did, and other people did. And some fans understood it, but most didn't in Oakland. How could they? They were going to lose their team and see the big picture potentially in Vegas. And now we have this jewel in the desert, this unbelievable jewel in the desert. And a lot of people deserve credit for it, including former executives who were with the Raiders, who did a lot of heavy lifting on the ground to get this thing pulled off from the 872 laborers, proud partner of the show, the construction workers, everybody, the former governor, Brian Sandoval, to everybody here. Everybody kicked ass. And now we have the stadium that everybody wants to play in. From Super Bowls to Final Fours to concerts like the Rolling Stones, that is on Mark Davis's legacy as a massive check mark. And if you don't, if you deny that, then you're just a flat-out hater, and you don't, you don't want to be reasonable. If you can't give Mark Davis credit for the chaos that ensued in Oakland, 
going down to Carson, looking at that business opportunity, getting beat, coming back to Oakland, and then eventually coming to Vegas, and you either haven't been to Vegas and seen this new stadium or you haven't watched anything on TV. So Mark Davis's legacy is building in a positive direction. The Raiders have been in Vegas for two seasons. Mark made the decision to not have fans in the seats year one because he chose not to go. I thought that was a great legacy play for Mark as an owner. You know, Mark's done a lot of different things, too. He let Marcus Allen come back to the organization and light the torch. He had Mike Shanahan come in and help consult on a coaching hire. He's done things outside the box because he knew that he was not his dad, Al Davis, and he wanted to be his own owner. And he is navigating through being a newer owner in the league. Now Mark's in a situation where he's got some really big football decisions to be made. And, you know, if you look at the history of Mark, and knowing him as long as I had, you know, Mark surrounds himself with some people who know more than him about football. He says that all the time, if you know it. And it was John Madden who just passed away. It could be Ron Wolf. It, it's Marcel Reese right now who was a great player. And it was the great Cliff Branch, his best friend of all time. It's George Atkinson, who's one of his top two or three best friends of his entire life, not just time, recently in Vegas. So Mark is navigating through this football hire or two or decisions that he has to make. And as I've been very transparent, these are really big decisions, really big decisions, and he's got to nail it. So I think he's being very prudent. I think this is a big interview process to try to find the right football man to come in and lead the way, kind of like a Ron Wolf, who came under Al Davis and then developed into a Hall of Famer to find that gentleman who's out there now, and who could be that individual. And I really think that's very important. That's a really important decision because of the decision before to give John Gruden all the power, which I was the first guy on board for that. I have no problem admitting that. I'm a, I was Gruden guy. And obviously, John Gruden with the success he's had first time with the Raiders, Super Bowl champion, broadcasting and his success there, coming back, and he wanted to be here desperately, and he, and he loved the Raiders, still does, loves the Raiders, and would leave his legacy in Tampa only for one team. So Gruden pulled off all of that, and then Gruden brought in a lot of really good coaches and some players, and the draft didn't work in some spots, and now everybody's speculating who made the picks, Gruden or Mayock. I don't think that's going to get ugly, because I think Mike Mayock's going to take the high road on that. I don't think he's going to write a book saying that those weren't my picks, those were Gruden. And I think Coach Gruden's got something really big in front of him, his fight with the NFL. So all that is background noise now. It becomes who's going to be the new GM. So today, over the last 24 hours, some of the news, Ian Rappaport, the Raiders will conduct interviews later in the week to fill their vacant GM job. Patriots de facto GM Dave Ziegler, who keyed the team's a Patriots rebuild through free agency in the draft will do so this Friday. Bears assistant director of player personnel, Champ Kelly, interviews on Thursday. That's tomorrow. Rich Basacci for the head coach today. And if you look at some of these decisions that are being made and what's happening, Tom Pelissaro just had some big news that's blowing up. Colts assistant GM Ed Dodds informed the Bears he's withdrawing his name from their GM search. So a lot of Raider Nation and people are going crazy going, he's taking his name out of that because he wants to be the GM of the Raiders, which is not accurate reporting because we don't know. Ed Dodds is the Colts' assistant GM. The Colts have been run 
really well when it comes to a personnel perspective, period. They've been really good. He's been a hot candidate the last two cycles, as Vinny Bonsignor wrote yesterday, and he worked under Al Davis in the Raiders personnel department from 2003 to 2006. A lot of people think he'd be a great fit along with Dave Ziegler. So if the Raiders decide for the GM position that they're going to get Ziegler from the Patriots or Dodge from the Colts, I think that's a really good decision, either one of them. I don't know who's better. How would you know? You know, they're both assistants. They're both directors, but they're not the GMs. But they'd be coming from programs that are doing pretty good with the draft and the evaluation process. So those are the two names that are hot out there. Elliot Wolf, the son of Ron Wolf, obvious connections to ownership is the name that is out there. And some of the other uh, names are going to pop up here quickly, including Joe Horitz, who's the Ravens director of player personnel. There's a lot of names out there. But I think the two front runners now are Ed Dodds and Dave Ziegler. And if, if either one of those individuals get the job, their job is going to have to be to come in and figure out who they want to be the head coach. So the process of the head coach with Rich Passacci is important today. It could be a wild card where Mark Davis throws a press conference and says he's our guy. It'll probably be, hey, we're still going through the process. Whatever happens, we'll cover it here on the flagship station. But they're going down the road of trying to get a football guy. Now, Ed Graney wrote in his column, and congratulations to Ed for winning another major award in Nevada as the sports writer of the year. Ed's incredible. And he talked about the model now of the next head coach not having the power that Gruden had. And if Jim Harbaugh came here, would he want that type of power? Would he want the same thing that Gruden had? He's a rock star. He's a rock star. So I'm assuming Rich Passacci is here for obvious reasons. But for those speculating on Harbaugh, could Harbaugh work in a situation where he would have control over the GM, control, and be the de facto last voice even with personnel? I, don't, I find that hard to believe because Jim Harbaugh has been out of the league so long since 2014. He doesn't know the personnel at that level. He knows the Michigan personnel and some of the Big Ten, but you wouldn't think that he'd have the knowledge and or to have the power over a GM, but we don't know. It's another thing. It's another unknown. So I think it's really important to get this football guy right, whoever it's going to be, and the football guy is going to come in, and I think another big part of his job is going to be evaluating this roster, which is also super complicated. Wow. Raiders are a 10-win team. I talk to my dad and my best friend every day, my dad and my buddy Jimmy, every day. And I was talking to him in my backyard about an hour ago, and he said, man, he goes, what's up with the Raiders, man? They won 10 games. Why all the change? And he's my best friend. He knows what I do for a living. I said, yeah, it's kind of complicated. They, went, they won with an interim coach. John Gruden's not here. They fired the GM. And the GM was a very good guy. And now there's a lot of moving parts. But it's not dysfunctional. What the Raiders are trying to do here is the Raiders are trying to make a big, big decision that can stabilize the draft so the draft doesn't have as many misses in the first round. And that's on Gruden and Mayock. And they'll admit that because they've had other players who have been great like Hunter Renfro and Mad Max. And then the new GM who's in charge of football operation is going to have a new vision and the big part about his vision is going to be, does he want to do it via the draft? And they all say they want to do that, by the way. The new guy, whoever, whoever he is, is going to say the same thing. They're going to want to build through the draft. Or is the new guy going to come in and go, man, 
This is a 10-win team. I can get it to the Super Bowl in two years, but i got to go through Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. I can't do it with this roster. i got to trade, trade, trade picks, and i got to get the players that I want. That's the story no one's talking about. That's the story, in my opinion, just mine, that I think is the big picture here. All GMs are going to tell you about their three- to five-year plan. In the next three to five years, I'm taking over this two-win team, this four-win team, this five-win team. We're going to clean house, and we're going to do it the right way via the draft. They all say that. Can't say that with this team. It's a 10-win team in the greatest arena on earth, Las Vegas. Television, they, they flex you to Sunday night. They let you open on Monday night. This team goes balls out. We're not waiting anymore. If it's Rich Passaccia or whoever it is, this team goes balls out. The goal is to get back to the playoffs and win. That's it. It's not a step backwards. It's not two steps backwards to go back to being a non-playoff team. We just tasted the playoffs. So the guy who's coming in better have that philosophy that just win, baby. The greatness of the Raiders is in its future, but it's kind of now. And we want to swing big. And I don't know if this guy coming in is a big swinger like Reggie Jackson, who is in the inner circle of Mark Davis, on the sidelines and at every home game, sitting with the owner. Reginald Martinez Jackson. Reggie came to the plate, home run or strikeout. He wasn't a singles hitter. And Reggie's in the circle. And a lot of other people, from Mike Silver to Jason Lockenfora, Ed Graney, everybody's saying, is Mark Davis going to swing for the fences with these big, big name candidates? Or is he just going to try to keep this thing building in a direction where they can be a perennial playoff team? That was my personal and private conversations with Gruden and Mayock. They wanted to win. They wanted to win Super Bowls. They wanted to go big. And they did go big. The team made it to the playoffs with 10 wins this year. It's a combination of Gruden, fast start with Gruden, Passaccia's fast finish, Mike Mayock having the reserve players to come in and stabilize and play well as some of the starters were injured or didn't perform well, and we're sitting here with a 10-win team. In a, I think in a pretty good spot, better than the Giants, better than the Jaguars, better than the Houston Texans, looking like a much better roster than Seattle that recently went to two Super Bowls. So I don't want to run on for too long here. I want to take your calls on Coach Passaccia today, what you like about him, why you believe he should be the head coach or not. But I think a lot of people should compliment him on the job that he did. 702-365-9200. But I am fascinated with this GM hire because the GM hire has got to be right. And it's, it's got to come in with a guy that has a vision quickly to figure out this roster, not the draft. I don't care about the 22nd pick. I mean, I do. You do, too. But I wish last year we traded that pick and didn't get Leatherwood and traded up to get Micah Parsons. I wonder where we heard that. Oh, you heard that from me. I was screaming that a month before anybody. I told you nine months exactly to the show that the Raiders were targeting Yannick Ngakwe and they would get him, and they got him. I got that right. I also said that Antonio Brown and Gronk would land in Tampa Bay two years ago. I got that right. So every once in a while, I get it right. I don't know who the GM's going to be. If it's Dave Ziegler or if it's Ed Dodds, I think those are really good hires. If they get Brandon Brown from the Eagles or it's someone else, I think you look at these guys and where they've been recently, 
and their recent track record puts them in the opportunity to get into the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center and get an interview with Mark Davis. And then Mark Davis is going to have to have a feel. He's going to have to have a feel for who's the best guy for the job, who's the best guy to do this. And then he's going to have to send him into his office and say, hey, what about these 17 players who have contracts coming up? Rookie options, free agents, guys who played last year on a one-year deal, the quarterback. What do you think? And that guy in that corner office room is going to have to make a lot of big decisions because Mark Davis is going to expect him to be the de facto football leader in the building. That's what I think we all agree with that, right? That that makes the most sense. And there's a lot of other wild cards out there. Basaccia coming back, Jim Harbaugh, Mike Tomlin in a trade. I talked to someone pretty high up, pretty high up, not with the Raiders, but in the NFL, who told me, you know, the Raiders are the prime candidate to make a trade for a coach. If there was ever a team that could go balls out the way Al Davis made the trade for Gruden, that Mark could come in here and trade for a head coach, now would be the time to do it with the names of Sean Payton and Mike Tomlin being two of the biggest names out there. Now, that is a risky move, and that's hard to do. Most likely that won't happen, but it's worth putting on the table because they're in a big position here. They're making a coaching decision. So that is almost the monologue. And then what I think we have to get into the show today is today is the 20-year anniversary of the tuck rule. Oh, my God. 20 years ago today, I was in the parking lot at Ricky Sports Theater and Grill in San Leandro, anchoring the pre- and post-game. I don't even remember. Brain cells on radio go really quickly. I don't remember if I did the pre-game show at Ricky's or at the Raiders facility. At that time, because it was an away game, I think we might have been at the Raider facility. I got to do some homework. I don't remember the pre-game show, but I remember the game. And I remember the Raider fans. And I had a front-row seat to that on a stage. I saw Raider fans lose their mind more than any time in modern Raider history. I saw the biggest high to the biggest low, I believe, in Raider modern-day history. Now, I wasn't around for the Sea of Hands or the Immaculate Reception, but I was there for the tuck rule, part of the broadcast doing the pre and post. And if you were at Ricky's, if you were there, you should call us today because that is a memory I'll never forget. Let's go back to the play-by-play 20 years ago today. The 42. Blitz. Lost the football. It's on the ground. Covered by the Raiders. His college teammate, Charles Woodson, on the blitz. Tom Brady never sees him coming from the front side. Greg Beekert recovers the fumble. Charles Woodson, first time today I've seen him come on a blitz. Oh, the question is, did he pull it down? His arm was going forward, but was he throwing a football? Well, the the exact term I can't think of, but if you throw a pass, and as you're faking that pass, now watch, as you're faking the pass, if it slipped out of your hand, that would be an incomplete pass. But was it forced out by Charles Woodson? I don't think the... The recoil of the fake throw is what made it come out of Tom Brady's hand. After reviewing the play, the quarterback's arm was going forward. It is an incomplete pass. <laughs> Second and 10 on the 42. Wow. 
Greg Gumbel and Phil Sims on the call on CBS. That was 20 years ago today. That deserves a radio show. I mean, we got to cover that story. Where were you 20 years ago today? Where were you? Who were you watching with? What was that moment like for you? It's a day that will live for the rest of our lives in Raider Nation. January 19th is the anniversary every year of the tuck rule. This is the 20-year anniversary. Probably not going to mention it on 21 to 22, 23, maybe 25th. And uh, I'm going to do it next hour again. But we have more sound with Eric Allen, uh, the great Raider, legendary Eagle and Saint, because he knew the play. He knew the play. He stole the play on the sidelines. He slid in and no one noticed him. He got in the huddle of Charlie Weiss and Tom Brady knew the play. And if Brady would have threw the football, they would have intercepted it. They, They read the play. But it never happened. So I just wanted to ask you, where were you? And I'll tell you the details of that story next hour, where I was at Ricky's and what I remember 20 years ago today. It was bleeping insanity. I've been to Ricky's 100 times, maybe not as much, 70, 80 times. It'll, I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget that moment and how difficult it was to jump on the radio for 90 minutes to two hours as Raider fans were throwing bottles, and they were throwing them towards the trash can. Ricky, Ricky was standing with me looking at all this, and he said, I've never seen anything like this. Raider fans were pouring out of Ricky's into the parking lot when we were on the air. And Raider Mort, I asked him to sit in with me because George Atkinson took a rare trip and went with the team back for that game. What would have happened if the Raiders won that game? I don't know. John Gruden never gets traded. I believe the Raiders win the Super Bowl. They were the better team. Tampa Bay maybe doesn't win because they never get Gruden. But we all know one thing. We all know one thing. Tom Brady doesn't become Tom Brady on the timeline that he's now Tom Brady. So that's where we're at. Brazy in Vegas, start us off on the Raider flagship. Go ahead. How are you? Uh, JT, you're opening up old wounds there with the tough rule, man. 20 years ago, I was at the homie Rudy's apartment in Hawthorne, California. Rest in peace to the homie Rudy. And I couldn't believe it. I, I ran out of the apartment into the foyer there, holding my head, just couldn't believe it, cussing. It was, it was ridiculous. You know, when, when it comes to this search, right, you, you're looking at the GM like, well, what teams have drafted well? And, and the Colts is a team that, that has drafted well. And you talk about Dodd and his connection with Mr. Davis back when he first started. Uh, right. I, I really think that that sounds like the best hire to me. And then, you know, something from a coach perspective, you know, Rich, I got to give it to the whole team, the all the players, Rich, all the coaches. You know, I, I'm so proud of them. I haven't been this proud of a Raiders team in over 20 mm-hmm. years because of, of what they've been able to do. Even that team in 2016, it was a disappointment. But the way these guys are just able to come together and fight through everything, I was at every game. I'm in your section 132. I sit at the top there with my son just going crazy. It, it, it was unbelievable to see the team come through and really be able to make it to the playoffs. But, you know, winning five overtime games, seven games less than, uh, you know, within one score, we know things always move to the mean, right? So this, this roster needs to be upgraded, and I think the offense needs to be upgraded as well from a play calling perspective. And that's why for a head coach, some mm-hmm. a person I don't hear people talking about is Eric Bieniemy. 
right? Mm-hmm. When you talk about a stud tight end, being able to game plan for him, or be able to get him open. When you talk about red zone uh, offense where mm-hmm. we struggled and you look at the Chiefs and what they're able to do, and then you're yep. able to take somebody from the mortal enemy and be able yep. to know them inside and out, I would love to have the, uh, Eric Bieniemy scheming our offense with Derek Carr and, and our tight ends and the Renfro and everybody yep. else. You know, bring in Dodd, bring in Bieniemy. I'd really love to see what they could do together as a team. Yeah, okay, let me jump in. First off, a couple of things I've been saying for the last couple of years. Eric Bieniemy had some baggage in the past, but no more, a lot less than Tyreek Hill, who got rid of his baggage and now has turned out to be one of the greatest players of all time. Not, not recently, of all time, okay? And he was a really bad guy. Eric Bieniemy had some, uh, some baggage before he came in as a coach, but he's worked through all that. Now, I've said this before. I don't think he interviewed well early on. You know, he, he was Mike Pritchard's teammate, great player. Great player, Mike Pritchard. You hear him all the time with Clay. You hear he's one of my good friends. Eric Bieniemy is a, should be a candidate for every job, for for one main reason. You get the entire Kansas City playbook with the posted notes, and the pencil notes and the pens and all that. You get everything. And the caller made a great point. They are the Raiders' enemy now. That's the team that the Raiders cannot beat. They beat them once last year. They got slaughtered twice. If the enemy was in the discussion, you'd get the entire playbook, all of it. So the defensive coordinator would be able to scheme it, and then the enemy would be able to give it to Carr or whoever's there and try to tweak it. That's always been the only reason to hire him. No other reason. <laughs> all right, there's no other reason to bring in Eric the enemy. There's probably plenty of guys who can coach, if not better than him. The issue is you get every hour, every minute, every second of his analysis of Andy Reid. So, yeah, he's, that, that would be a name that people would think for any job out there. But today it's about Rich Basaccia, and he deserves that respect here. And he gets it from me, I'll tell you, because I'm not doing a radio show on Jim Harbaugh or anybody until I find out what's going on with Rich Basaccia, who's been very good to me, very good to you, the Raider fans, and we will show that level of respect on this station in this time slot where I'm not sitting here taking Harbaugh calls and we're not going to do a bunch of the enemy's the right choice. The man is the man is Rich Passaccia. He led the team to the playoffs. He's interviewing today. And we will respect that process. 702-365-9200. When we come back, more of your phone calls on what you were doing the day of the tuck rule. Yeah, it's a dark day, but some of the stories are very interesting. And we tell stories here on radio. And I'd like to hear your story on the tuck rule. We'll dive deeper into it next hour. Clint Sterner, former uh, Cowboy quarterback, will join us on what's happening with Dallas. And we'll get into Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, the franchise, the great sports talk host in Southern California on these coaching potential moves. Yeah, you know, it's 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 tough, man. Uh Mike, you know, the things he's done for me, um, like you said, he drafted me. Um, he's done so much for me, always looked out for me, constantly just being there. Um, his him, his family, you know, they've always always been so good to me and my girl and, and my family and I can't appreciate you know, say how much I appreciate him. You know, he's uh you know, it's crazy. We we just were I was just in his office two days ago, had an amazing talk and then the next day I got the news. So, you know, we had a good talk yesterday and, you know, he's going to be good. 
you know he's he's yeah. uh he's a great dude and i can't you know i can go on all day but he's just he's a, he's a special guy and i just appreciate everything he he did for me and in this organization you know he's, he's been awesome that's Max Crosby on the departure of Mike Mayock. He was on the Rich Eisen show, and that's the way you, that's what everybody says. Wish Mike Mayock the best, and he'll go on to do great things. It's a great guy and got a lot of great relationships in the building. JT, back with you. Rich Passaccia interviewing today as the head coach process goes on. Your comments on Coach Passaccia going forward, uh, what you like about what he did this year, what you think about his future as potentially the head coach, full-time head coach of the silver and black next hour we'll get more into the tuck rule tuck rules wide open it's the 20-year anniversary i don't see myself i might mention it next year but i wanted to do a deep dive on it because i got an interesting story to tell about that day and you know this show's about you the raider fans but my name's on it and i want to share what that was you know, tw- people say time flies it really does i mean for 20 years to remember that and what's happened since in raider history it's a really interesting 20 years off that one play. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, we talk about the inadvertent whistle and some of the draft picks and who the Raiders could have drafted instead of certain players that could have changed the course of the franchise. But a lot that changed the course of the franchise was the tuck rule. But then the team rallied next the following year and went to the Super Bowl. right? So they go to an AFC championship. And you'd say they go to the AFC championship against Baltimore and lose. Don't get me going with that one. The Trent Dilfer pass huh, that beat Anthony Dorsett with Shannon Sharp to lead Baltimore to the Super Bowl. And then the Raiders, resilient, end up winning the AFC Championship and go to the Super Bowl. Allen in Vegas. Thanks for holding. You're up next. Hello, Allen. Hey, JP. Uh, my call is for support of Richard Sanchez. Mm-hmm. And okay. what a lot of people forget is that Sanchez is, if he's not. One of the best special teams coordinators, he's the best. Our special teams play has been incredible. Uh, does anybody remember Dan Carlson before he came to the Raiders or A.J. Cole before he was drafted? I mean, look at them now. They're pro bowlers. We don't allow touchdowns or big plays on special teams. What this guy has done has been incredible. And also, with regard to a head coach, their main job is to rally the team and motivate them. And, I mean, shoot, let's call it what it is, JT. Our team was at rock bottom after they played the Bears. And this guy rallied everybody together and took them to the playoffs. I mean, this guy deserves an opportunity. Even if it's for one year, just give him a shot. Um, you know, do what you want with the defense and the offense, but let this guy lead the team one more year. It, I, I hope he gets a chance, and if not, well, we'll just rally run. Uh, whoever becomes the next coach in GM, but uh, I really hope that Sajid earns it uh, because well, he has definitely earned it. Yeah, he has earned the opportunity for this position. There's no doubt. And if there's another candidate that gets it, we'll rally behind the other candidate. But I, I think everybody believes that Rich Passaccia couldn't do anything more to earn consideration for this opportunity for the way he just handled the adversity. You know, Being in the building, we're not on the football side like the old days because of COVID and protocol. But just the confidence that everybody had when they went to practice every day, one day at a time. And I told you this several times in our interviews. He just kept bringing up the fact that everybody on that roster was prepared to play. If they showed up to the building to practice, they were told to be prepared to play. And that was a big part about how the Raiders made that four-game run to the playoffs. The alternates, the subs, the backups were really coached at a high level. 
I, I told you, I thought the strength of this team was the coaching staff. And I thought that the coaching staff would have an edge in Cincinnati, and they didn't. They didn't play well in Cincinnati. There were, there were mistakes and penalties again, but it wasn't for lack of preparation. They just had a bad day. But I think the coaches had them ready to go. Everything that happened, the coaches are not there on the field when a holding penalty goes or a big play is successful but it's brought back for a hold or there's a mistake or an interception. They didn't coach them up to do that. The players got to execute. I thought the coaches did a nice job this year. Uh, let's keep going with Dan in Vegas here. Thanks for calling. Uh, Dana, excuse me. Go ahead, Dana. Yeah, hey, um, I'm not a big Basaccia fan. I understand what you guys are saying, and I don't believe anybody deserves anything. They either earn it or they didn't earn it, and I don't know what he earned. He took a Gruden team, and he, he kept it together. We don't know if he could build a team. We don't know what he could do. Keep him on special teams if you want. I like Flores. I like there's a lot of big names. Vegas. What couldn't draw a big name for a while? Couldn't draw a top-tier coach, a top-tier GM. We can now. We're in Vegas. I've been a fan of the Raiders since they were in L.A. I used to live in L.A. Now I live in Vegas. And we have an opportunity to put together a great coaching staff. Not a good one, a great one. I thought we had a pretty good one with Gruden, but that happened. You know, it is what it is. I, I, I just don't think that anybody is owed anything. We need to do what we need to do to be a great team, and that means put together the best staff possible, period. Yeah, appreciate your phone call. You're right about no one's owed anything. Just because the team made the playoffs and didn't win a playoff game, no one's owed anything. But I think you should give Coach Pisaccia a little bit more credit for the way he was able to stabilize this team after what happened with the resignation and the Ruggs incident alone and how it could have tore through the locker room and everybody could have went into the tank if they didn't buy into their his message. you got to give that a little bit more credit than what you gave on the phone call. Come on. I'm, you're right about no one's owed anything. It's just because they made the playoffs doesn't mean he's going to be the, given the keys to be the head coach of the team. He's interviewing for that opportunity. But he did a lot to get there. He did a hell of a job. When you think of interim head coach success, who do you think of? Who? You start to think of Rich Passaccia recently. Success around here is winning playoff games and winning Super Bowls. But for Rich Passaccia to have to win those four games down the stretch and have the team physically and mentally prepared to do that on the road with all that chaos going into the Cleveland game and the Indy game, hell of a job. Passionate Raider right here on the flagship. Go ahead. Man, JT, you know, I'm, I'm all for Rich, man. I think Rich did something that no other coach has ever done in the history of the NFL, come in midseason, take a team to a playoffs. The players loved him. He did what he had to do with what he was given without any notice. You cannot knock Rich for what he did. But I believe Mark has a plan in place. I'm going to stand behind Mark. I'm going to put my faith in Mark. I'm just going to pray that Mark makes the right moves. Because there's a big date coming up in 2024 that Mark wants to be in, that the Raider Nation wants to be in. So we can't sit back and pout and cry and think about what if every four years, yada, yada, yada. Mark knows that. I think he has enough people telling him that he knows that this just isn't happening. This process has already been thought out. He knows what he's going to do. It's going to be some tough situations because he didn't expect, nor did we expect, this season to end the way it ended and we were in the playoffs with everything this team went through. That was the sucker punch that Mark got hit with. Now I believe some feelings are going to get hurt because 
he already had a plan in place what was going to happen. So we just got to get behind Mark, pray that Mark's going to do the right thing. He's going to bring the right guys in because we want to be relevant next year and get to the and maybe take a trophy and defend it in our house in 2024. That's what I'm talking about. So whatever Mark does, let's get on it. Holler if you hear me. The goal is to pick up on the 10 wins and not have to take a step back. And by doing that, hiring a GM who could figure out this roster. Because the roster that won 10 games is not going to be back. There's going to be a lot of changes in this roster. And changes that need to happen with players who underachieved or were drafted too high that aren't worthy of additional contracts. Let me repeat that again. Players on the roster who were drafted too high that don't deserve to be back, but they're once a Raider, always a Raider, and other players who did not live up to their contracts. Everybody else can compete for a roster spot and come back and compete in training camp with the new draft picks and new free agents. I'm a big believer right now in the Raiders and what they can potentially do with trades. I think that the Raiders proved that, and Mike Mayock did a nice job with this, bringing in veteran Jesse Hayward. Denzel Perryman, Trufant played a couple of good games. The guys who were able to jump in, who were the backups and reserves and play, were pretty good. I mean, they, they really stood their ground and were good. I like that part of the post-Mayoc regime to continue, that they're out there looking for veterans on one-year prove-it contracts that could come in and play well and add another piece. Because the Raiders need three new offensive linemen potentially. They're not going to get rid of Leatherwood, but Leatherwood's at a point now where he's got to have a hell of an offseason. Something's got to change with him because he, he digressed again at the end of the year, but he was a rookie, and he played a lot, and he wasn't injured, and he played through injury when he was nicked up. So he did a lot of good things, but he wasn't sound technically, and he didn't play at a first-round level, nowhere near a first-round level. So if you look at the left side with Colton Miller, Andre James, you can be talking about bringing in three new offensive linemen, or at least two. And I'm not into rookie offensive linemen. I don't want to see rookie offensive linemen have to prove themselves in this league. I'm done with that. Uh, get me a guy that's played in the league four years and his deal's up and can play. Go get a guy that I know I can see film and can play and is a good player. And if you've got to spend a little bit more or give up a little bit more, go get him. This offensive line, you've got to give Tom Cable better players on the offensive line. All right, next hour, uh, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and my reflections of the tuck rule brought to you by our great friends at BillsHappen.com. If you need cash, BillsHappen.com. Shotgun snap. Allen back to throw. Sets up deep. Has all day long. Takes a look into the end zone. Looking for Sanders. He's got him. Touchdown, Buffalo. Emmanuel Sanders. A 34-yard touchdown catch from Josh Allen. He was wide open. Bills Radio. Josh Allen. That was my Super Bowl pick. Before the season, I had the Bills and the Packers in the Super Bowl. But the Bills have to beat Kansas City. And everybody listening to Raider Nation Radio should be pulling heavy for the Bills. Look, the Bills have never won a Super Bowl. Never won. You remember the Jim Kelly four in a row they lost. Uh, Bills are a very good team, good players, good run organization. Ralph Wilson and Al Davis were great business partners and friends. 
It's time for the Bills to win. Everybody should be rooting against Kansas City. Did you hear me? Everybody in Vegas and in the Raider Nation should be rooting against Kansas City. If Kansas City only gets one Super Bowl out of this recent dominant run of three or four years, that's good news because they could go back again. If they beat Buffalo, they have a pretty good chance of winning because they're going to beat the winner of the Titans and Cincinnati on the other side. So I'm pulling for Buffalo. Who are you pulling for? Also at the top of the hour, I'll look back at the tuck rule. 20 years ago today, the tuck rule game, January 19th at Foxborough in New England and what that event meant to the Raiders and my memories of that day. Fish is in Berkeley in Northern California. Go ahead, Fish. JT, you sick, demented individual to peel back the scab of that wound that never healed. You call it the tuck rule game. I substitute that T with an F, and I call it that game. I was at Ricky's, and it was not a good day in my life. It was embarrassing. They thought I had to be committed to John George the psychiatric ward up the street. I kept walking down the street in a stupor. All I could say was, it was a fumble. It was a fumble. I had to get escorted out of Ricky's by Sam. Yes, that's what I remember. I remember, not you individually, but I remember people being removed. I remember Ricky in chaos and Tina, and and all of a sudden chaos ensued. It it was one of the most bizarre. Was it a nice day? Was it at nighttime? Help me out because I remembered. It was at nighttime because it was nighttime in New England when it ended. But I remember sunset. I remember daylight. I remember cups in the parking lot. You remember that, right? Now, yeah, so it started off beautiful. I mean, you know the spread, Ricky's. They lay it all out. (laughs) There was the fire engine raider out there with the old 1940s fire truck that everyone the raider fire truck i mean it was a it was basically a home game jt in san leandro and the euphoria i'm talking the absolute glee when woodson came in and he could recover that fumble and then i blacked out all we knew was panic and apprehension when we saw the refs hovering talking and then we started to to, to think about the immaculate or deception and all the other uh, uh, chicanery that we have been involved with. And then the ref and the announcement, and then I blacked out. Uh, people mm-hmm. told me I was on a table. I was outside. I had to be restrained. It was, it was a horrible day, JT. You are a sick, demented individual, but I yep. love you. Go Appreciate Raiders. it. Thanks. I had to bring it up. I had to bring it up because it's a 20-year anniversary texting and uh, talking to Eric Allen today. We've been texting and Charles Woodson. Lucky I know those guys. They both played a big role, and we'll talk about that coming up next. Charles Woodson, I believe it would have been the defining moment of his Hall of Fame career. The defining moment. And there's been a lot of interceptions and big plays. And Eric Allen with 54 interceptions, he would have picked off that ball. If Brady was not blitzed by Woodson, Brady was going right to Eric Allen's side. There would have been a linebacker or EA jumping that route, convinced. They knew the play. They heard the play. They knew the play. And then everything changed after that. And when everything changes after that, all you can do is look back on that day and move on. But it's 20 years ago today. And I have a 20-year-old son and an 18-year-old son. They're now sending me videos from bars. Got a, I got a video from my 20-year-old son at a bar in Norman, Oklahoma yesterday as he was watching Sports Center, and they were talking about the Raiders with a big pitcher of beer in front of him. 
Yeah, that's good. That's where I'm at now in my life. Hour number two, Hacksaw next.